Good morning. Good morning to everyone online. And I want to give a quick shout out to June and Paul. If you uh, watch this, just know that God can meet you wherever you are and that he's right there with you. Before I start this morning, I want to share uh, something that happened on the train this morning as I was heading into church. So I was on the train and I was playing my word games. Who likes word games? I love word games, crosswords and word blitz, how many words you can find in a minute, all that kind of thing. All the, all the secret, you know, word game people are like, not me. So I was doing that on the train coming in and I just felt challenged by God to stop and be still. So I shut off my phone and closed my eyes and I said to God, you know, can you really meet me in all of this? If you're a public transport person like I am, you know, there was a lady across from me who was listening to tunes without her earphones, having a great time, you know. So in my heart, I said, God, can you really meet me in this? And he immediately said to me, I can, I can, but can you? And then I heard him say, Susanna, I'm bringing all of myself to this. I'm not holding anything back. I'm bringing all of my power, all of my presence. Can you match me today? Can you bring all of yourself? Not leaving any part of you behind. And I'm sharing that with you because... I don't believe it's a challenge just for me. I believe it's a challenge for all of us today to take a moment to choose to bring all of ourselves into this moment, to be present, to not leave parts of our life hidden or away from God's presence as if he doesn't already know they exist, but to bring it all, to match him as he has come bringing all of himself to us. The promise of better days. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. This was spoken by a philosopher, George Santayana. And in the book of Matthew, we see Matthew taking the opportunity to remind the Jewish people of their past calling on them to not forget, calling on them to make the connection to Jesus and why he came, to bring them out of Egypt, that symbol of enslavement, to bring them into freedom and healing and hope. So we pick up the story in Matthew 2. The Magi have been to visit Jesus. They've brought their gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense. And Herod knows that a child prophesied to be the king of the Jews has been born. And he says to the Magi, come and tell me. When you find this child, come back to me and tell me where this child is. The Magi get warned in a dream not to do that. So in Matthew 2 verses 13 to 14, it says, when they, the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search 
for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. In this passage, Matthew mentions Jesus' escape to Egypt and his return from Egypt in order to remind the Jewish people of the Old Testament prophetic hope of the Messiah coming out of Egypt. This line, out of Egypt I called my son, is a direct quote from the prophet Hosea. In Hosea Chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, he prophesies, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. The Old Testament foreshadows what's to come in the New Testament. Here in this passage, Hosea is reminding the people that God brought Israel out of Egypt, freeing them from all that enslaved them and reigniting their hope for the future. Interestingly, this is one of the rare moments in the Bible where God is presented to us from a feminine perspective as a mother bending over to feed her son. Here we are reminded that God represents the fullness of both the feminine and the masculine that Adam and Eve were brought forth out of God's own image. This passage in Hosea provides us with a great window into the nurturing side of God. We see God lifting his children, tending to them, nourishing them, mothering them out of this season, this hard, struggling season they've just had in Egypt. We need to remember when Hosea was writing this, who he was writing it to and why he was writing it. So Hosea was an 8th century BC prophet and he's speaking about Israel coming out of Egypt, which was 1,500 years before Christ. Okay, so keep this all in your head. So Hosea is prophesying about and drawing from the past 1,500 years before the birth of Christ. He's living in the 8th century And in this passage, he's prophesying to the 10 northern tribes and they are in this very moment facing a war with Assyria. They are deeply in need of these comforting words that he brings them, this reminder of God's care. Hosea is drawing on God's faithfulness in the past to ignite hope in the hearts of God's people. Now we jump forward from Hosea to the birth of Jesus, first century AD. And Matthew, after the birth of Jesus, once again draws from the past, draws from the words of Hosea, 
quoting his words to once again remind the Jewish people of God's faithfulness, that their longing for a Messiah had now been fulfilled. I want to go back and listen to Hosea's words, this prophecy that Matthew is drawing from. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Israel, after being freed physically, being brought out of Egypt, out of their oppression, are unable to keep their hearts free. They return back to enslavement, not to be enslaved by others, but this time to be enslaved themselves and to enslave themselves. With Jesus' birth, there's like this do-over where God symbolically shows through Jesus what he truly intended for his people. Jesus is brought up out of Egypt, just as Israel was. And where Israel fails to walk forward in their freedom, their healing, Jesus, through his ongoing life and ministry, demonstrates how to walk forward in obedience, fulfilling the plans God has for him to bring life and freedom and healing to all peoples. Let's look at this a little deeper here because I believe there are some parallels in this story that link to us today. That as we head into this Christmas period, I believe God wants to awaken us to. Some 1,500 years before Jesus' birth, Israel's in captivity. They're enslaved in such a way that they're only able to live limited, contained lives. Then God comes with his servant Moses and miraculously frees them. They are set free physically. The scriptures we mentioned early in Hosea show us that God wraps his people up in his tenderness. The imagery of a mother with her son teaching them to walk, wrapping them up in her arms, healing them, leading them with kindness and love, lifting them, feeding them. But with all this tenderness, the people of Israel seem unable to recognise God's presence in their life. Hosea captures this in verse 3. It was I, this is God speaking, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realise that it was I who healed them. Has this ever bothered you? It's bothered me. Israel has just witnessed these incredible miracles. The 10 plagues of Egypt have systematically dismantled the gods of Egypt. And Israel has seen that with their own eyes. They then see the parting of the Red Sea. They walk through it. They experience it. But then at the first moments of hunger... Oh, it would have been better for us back in Egypt. When Moses stays too long on the mountain, they create their own Baal. 
a God from the land that they were imprisoned in for hundreds of years. Their minds and their hearts return them to the place in which they were enslaved, in which they were limited, in which they were contained. Their thinking, their feelings, their actions are still being impacted by their past. There is something seriously amiss here. So I went researching and I read an article called The Psychological Impact of Imprisonment. (laughs) Not my usual reading, but it was a research paper written for the US Department of Health and Human Services that looked at the impact of long-term imprisonment on people and it said this. Imprisonment, as in the removal of freedoms from people for extended periods of time, creates habits of thinking, feeling and acting that can be dysfunctional. People become more and more accustomed to the restrictions that an enslaved or an imprisoned life imposes. So much so that these limitations become natural to them. That even when these conditions of life change, so even when people are released, when the limitations are removed, the counterproductive patterns remain. This is what it feels like reading this story of the Israelites. It feels dysfunctional. It feels like that they easily return to the habits that have enslaved them. How does this all relate to us in this Advent season? We have only been through three years of hardship, but in these three years, our lives have been limited. They have been contained. They have been constrained. We have had freedoms taken from us. Many of us have been limited, unable to work, unable to travel, unable to play sport. Many of us have been imprisoned by crippling anxiety, feelings of being overwhelmed and trapped and feeling like there's no hope. And here in this moment, as we have Matthew reminding us that Jesus' coming heralds a new era of freedom, healing, hope for our future, I wonder whether we might carry some of the same heart and head issues that the Israelites carried with them out of Egypt. We may be starting to regain some of our physical freedoms, but I wonder whether the restrictions and the limitations we've experienced are continuing to keep us looking back instead of looking forward with hope. In this Advent season, can we clearly recognise God's presence and hope in our lives? Or have the last three years formed habits in our minds and in our hearts that are holding us back, keeping us enslaved, contained? I wonder whether we have become used to living limited, restricted lives. I wonder whether we become used to it so much that it actually feels natural. 
There is another part of this story that I believe God is highlighting to us today in this Advent season. Let me read those first verses again from Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. Hosea is recalling the moment when the Israelites, after crossing the Red Sea, after being set free, are waiting at Mount Sinai for Moses. And this is what happens. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. This passage highlights some interesting thinking, some interesting actions. The Israelites couldn't be still and wait. They couldn't trust God's timing. They couldn't be still and listen and recognise that God had called them out of Egypt and was at that very moment speaking to Moses on their behalf. That Israel was about to be formed into a nation. God was giving them the laws that would underpin it. This Advent season, thousands of years later, this world is the opposite of stillness. Hong Kong is the opposite of stillness, the opposite of waiting. This COVID season has at times forced us to slow down. It certainly caused us to wait. Have we embraced the stillness? Have we embraced the waiting? Have we seen it as an opportunity? Or have we raged against it? Filling our lives with distractions, doing things to escape our present reality, resorting like the Israelites maybe to self-reliance. When I flew back to Hong Kong last summer, I went into the mandatory three-day quarantine in a hotel. And all was going well until the second day when I tested positive for COVID. And in that moment, every freedom of mine dissipated. (laughs) I lost control over where I would be sent. I felt like I lost control in terms of not being heard because my daughter was with me, but she had recovered within the last three months from COVID. And so I was saying, please let her go home. After the three days, let her do her four days of quarantine at home. Don't, Don't send her to an isolation hotel as well. But I was told, no, no, she'll get COVID. She's in the room with you. So I felt like I lost a lot of freedom. Sabay was picked up and she was taken to an isolation hotel. In that moment when she was taken out the door, so literally the door shut behind her, I just burst into tears. And I was like, God, it's so unfair. And why can't you just intervene? I was then taken to a different isolation hotel in a prison bus. 
No, not really. It just felt like a prison bus. Some of you were like, really? Prison bus came to take you? No, not really. (laughs) But it felt like it. You know, you're already feeling sick and I'd come from Australia so I had bags and bags and things hanging off me and I'm trying to get on this bus and nobody comes within 10 metres of you. Even the driver has sheets and sheets of plastic taped up so none of my air can get into him, you know. And when I got to the isolation hotel, I collapsed on the bed and everything came to a shuddering halt. All I had was stillness. All I had was waiting. And did I embrace this stillness? Did I see it as an opportunity, as a gift? No. After lots of frustrating tears, I went into survival mode. I went into doing, I dived into distractions. I switched off my thinking and emotions and I buried myself in Netflix. (laughs) It would have remained like this, except God did intervene but not in the ways I'd asked him to. He found me in my waiting and encouraged me to finally be still with him. This is an extract from my journal. Thank you. Who knew that catching COVID would bring me to my knees and to a shuddering halt? And I'm thankful. In the depths of these dark days, I've gained perspective. I had grown so fragile, so brittle, that any problem threatened to break me. Years of stuff built up, stuff piled upon stuff, getting more and more rigid. So catching COVID and the dramas that came with it shattered me, turned me into a blubbering mess. But it also gave me time to be still to watch the clouds drift across the sky and to hear God's voice afresh. Be still and know that I am God. Matthew, speaking about the first Christmas, was asking the Jewish people to do the same thing, to be still and recognise that this child that had been born was God was the one they had been longing for. In true stillness, we find God afresh. However, like the Israelites waiting for Moses, we don't deal well with stillness. Instead, habits like constantly checking our social media feeds, which some of you are probably doing right now, playing games on our phones, It all numbs us. We dull ourselves to what is happening around us. We miss the beauty and we miss God's presence. We, like the Israelites, begin to fail to recognise his nearness and his interventions into our life. Maybe this Christmas is remembering that Jesus came out of Egypt so that we could all come out of Egypt that we're not meant to stay wandering in the desert, living limited lives. Jesus came to make sure our lives were filled with love, 
He came so we can experience healing and move fully out of all that enslaves us into a future of hope. Matthew is reminding us this Christmas that the mothering heart of God shown in Hosea is now ours through Jesus. In Jesus, we have the healing, the care, the feeding, the nurturing that we're shown in this Hosea passage. You know, one of the things that I love the most about raising my children, I have four children, that when they were babies and I was breastfeeding them, I used to, the thing that I used to love the most was feeding them in the night, in the quiet. There was this beautiful connection that I can't describe. And some of us today need to experience that mothering heart of God. We need to stay still long enough for us to recognise his nearness and his tender-heartedness towards us. This is great news for us this Christmas, that in the midst of suffering and hardship and struggle and disillusionment and brokenness, Jesus comes with the tenderness of a mother bending towards us, her children, to comfort us and restore our hope. So how is your hope right at this moment? What kind of state is your heart in? How is your pace of life? Is there any true stillness? I don't know about you, but in the seasons we have endured and are continuing to endure, it's been pretty easy to live a constrained life. Get up get through the day, reset, repeat. Who knows what I'm talking about? Not really thinking or reflecting on what the changes in our world and in our city have done to our hearts, have done to our hope. So I ask you again, how is your hope right at this moment? What kind of state is your heart in? Do you know? Matthew speaking about the original Christmas was trying to ignite hope in the hearts of his Jewish readers to remind them that Jesus' birth could bring them out of their slavery, could set them free. Christmas is about hope. Maybe this Christmas is about reigniting hope of stopping long enough, being still, to examine our battered hearts and allowing the mothering heart of God to come alongside, to bring his healing, to bring genuine release from all that weighs us down. Can I just invite the band to head back up? As we draw to a close there are some areas that I believe God wants to mother us in today. And I'd like you to invite you to just close your eyes and just hear these things. Let them wash over you and just see whether some resonate, whether there's something that God just puts his finger on and says, that, that's what I want to do for you today. God wants to deal with the impact of isolation 
the impact that the shutting off and the withdrawing of freedoms has had on our hearts. He wants to set us free from living limited and constrained lives. He wants to deal with the habits of thinking, feeling and acting that have developed that are causing dysfunction in our lives. Physical habits like overeating, overworking, overdrinking, overgaming, Netflix binging. And mental habits, survival thinking, a mind that can't shut off, a mind that worries, is anxious, a mind that can't be still. He wants to address feelings of hopelessness. Some of you today have a deep sense of futurelessness. And you look at the future, you can't see it for you. And God wants to wrap you up in his arms today and tenderly speak hope back into your life and your future. Jesus came out of Egypt to show us that he can free us from every enslavement, both physical and mental. We have a God who seeks to nurture us, to nourish us, to care for us, to heal us, to love us. So my question to you today is, can you be still and recognise his nearness because He's here. He's brought all that he is here. Let's stand together. We're going to take some time to be still. Stillness doesn't come easy. It's something we actually need to practice here in Hong Kong. Because as soon as we say, okay, I'm going to be still and I'm going to listen to God, suddenly we find ourselves in the kitchen making a cup of coffee and wondering how we got there. Because our minds just do not stop. So we have to practice stillness. We have to learn how to, when the distractions come, to stop them and push them back out. And to say, no, 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 no. I'm here with Jesus. So right now, push out the distractions. And hold out your hands. And in your hands, picture the things that maybe have come into your heart as we've spoken this morning, the things that maybe you feel a tug maybe something not quite right and just see it in your hands as you just offer it to Jesus turn up with all that you are all that you all of your brokenness all of the pieces and right now just be still and allow the tender heartedness of God to wrap around you, to hold you, to heal you, 
to pour such deep reservoirs of love over you that you'll feel like you're drowning in it because it can't be measured. It's so deep and wide and never ending. Let's be still and listen. of you online, wherever you are right now, whether you're on a bus or a train or at home or at work, God is with you. And it's no mistake you're listening to this message. Whether you're listening to it right now or you're listening to it in a month's time, God knew and he's with you. band's going to start to sing over us. If you would like prayer, then keep your hands open in front of you. And I'm going to encourage this body to be brave and to become the mother